Welcome back to Global Blue Nosers, everyone. Uh, before we get to today's episode with Mike Burke, uh, I just want to set the stage a bit. So Mike has never actually lived in Nova Scotia, which might make you raise your eyebrow uh, when it's a show about Nova Scotia. Uh, so if you haven't listened to episode one of Global Blue Nosers, you might want to actually go back and start there. Uh, it's in that episode where I explain a bit more about the definition of a global blue noser and also introduce the word diaspora, which at its most basic form means a community of people who have left or been displaced from their homelands. Mike and I, since day one of meeting, have shared a fairly deep interest in the world of diasporas and sort of the research around that. So we kind of nerd out a little bit today in the episode. Um, so without that context from episode one, you, you might be a little bit different. Uh, and But I think everyone should know more about diasporas, uh, and especially Nova Scotia's diaspora. It's the entire reason why this show exists. So that's some context going into the show today. I really hope you enjoy our chat. I know I had a lot of fun with it, as I do every time I talk to Mike. So let's get to it. The sun was setting in the west And the birds were singing on every tree And all nature seemed inclined for rest But still there was no rest for me I grieved to leave my native land I grieved to leave my comrades all And my parents whom I held so dear And the body, body lass that I do adore So farewell to Nova Scotia, the seabound Welcome back to Global Blue Nosers, the podcast about everyday people around the world whose lives have been shaped by the province of Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Sean Meister, and today's guest is someone who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last few years uh, after he reached out looking for ways to support Nova Scotia and Nova Scotia companies. Uh, I actually, I still remember going into my first call with him uh, and not knowing why he contacted me because I couldn't see any connection to the province in his profile when I started digging. Uh, well, so I very quickly learned uh, that the bullet points on a LinkedIn profile don't actually tell you much. Uh, so Mike Burke is a partner at Washington-based law firm Arnold Golden Gregory, uh, where he specializes in several areas, including life sciences. Interestingly, he also leads the firm's Ireland and Northern Ireland practice, where he advises Irish companies on growth and expansion in the U.S. market. And we're going to get into that in the chat today. Uh, he's also a Scotian's global advisor with the provincial agency Invest Nova Scotia, where we actually met, uh, and where he does sim uh, something similar on a volunteer basis for Nova Scotia-based companies. Mike has a unique connection back to Nova Scotia, but I'm going to let him tell that story. So, Mike, uh, it's great to chat again, as always, and thanks so much for jumping on the show. No, Sean, great. This is great, and thank you for the chance to do this. Uh, I think you're doing great work by by creating and, and sustaining this community. Well, thanks so much. And it, it, it was funny as I was going back in sort of my memory, which is, you know, rapidly deteriorating with each year that I get older. Um, but I was thinking back to, to when you first 
uh, reached out and we got connected. And I, I still remember I did what I, every time I reached, you know, it's like you start digging and I was like, I can't figure out the connection. I don't know where this, where this guy's connected to Nova Scotia, but you were, you were enthusiastic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think let's start right there. I mean, I, I let, tell everyone what your connection to, to Nova Scotia is. You know, I, I can identify it on a map. No, I'm just, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're right. Because, you know, if you asked anybody that I work with professionally or like anybody at my firm, they'll say, oh yeah, Mike's the Irish guy, which is true. But, you know, I do have a, you know, on my paternal grandmother's side, um, we've had, uh, relatives in, in North America since, well, for a long time, you know, 1600. So, and, you know, like a lot of those, uh, folks, they didn't really pay many, much attention to borders. So they moved, you know, Massachusetts at that time, Maine was still part of Massachusetts, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and then down. I mean, we do know that I've got one relative, uh, who was both at Lewisburg in the Seven Years' War, um, and then at Signal Hill in, in St. John's at the end of the Seven Years' War. So, um, and that's sort of, you know, from what we understand, he was given a, a, a bit of land in Nova Scotia uh, as, I guess, the reward for, for, for fighting in the war. Um, we're not quite sure when he left. <laughs> that's one of those things. Our family is not really good on... on keeping dates or records. So, you know, we know it's there. Um, and, and, you know, with our luck, we probably owe back taxes on it. And, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's sort of it. We, you know, and as a consequence, there's some folks in the family that emigrated into, and I say North America, but because at the time they immigrated, there was no Canada, there was no United States. It was all British North America. And that little piece that belonged to France <laughs> for a while. <laughs> so, so for you growing up and, and everything, you know, knowing your family history, yeah. did you, did you have an awareness of that, that Nova Scotia? Connection? Yeah. I mean, I just remember we would go frequently to Nova Scotia for vacations. And, you know, my father was always one, he, he loved driving the Cabot trail. Um, and my father, I think, you know, if, if he hadn't been such a good salesman, he probably would have been a history teacher. Um, you know, and I, I tell people if I had done better in college, I would have been a history teacher instead of a lawyer. But, um, you know, we, we definitely got the sense because, you know, my father always made it a point to stop at places like Lewisburg or stop, you know, talk about the history of the family in connection with the place. And, you know, we still do that. And, you know, it's, you know, I take my kids, for example, to Ireland and I can point to places that, you know, where my family was from, um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. You know, we're not we're not quite as far removed from that as 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 you might think. But I do point out some things there because I think it's important for people to have a sense of where they're from. And and to me, that extends beyond maybe where you grew up. Right? You've got all these various inputs and influences on who you are. And you know, that's so for me that was helping to foster that connection a little bit. So for, you know, for you getting to, to go up and do those family trips up to Nova Scotia, what kind of an impact did, uh, 
I mean, it's, I remember from my, from my youth, sometimes those family trips were great. And sometimes family trips were just like, oh my goodness, we're doing, we're doing another drive somewhere. So what was, what was the, what was the impact of the province and that experience on you then? Well, it was, you know, it, it was sort of, you know, by the time we got to Nova Scotia, so we would drive up through Maine, across New Brunswick and, and into Nova Scotia. By the time we got to Nova Scotia, we were ready to get out of the car, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's always like, it's a respite, but you know, for me, again, you know, on the history side, and frankly, we'll call it the people side, you know, we always look forward to, to Nova Scotia. You know, I, I think Cape Breton Island is probably one of the be- most beautiful places on earth. Um, and we always, of course, you know, I'm going back into the 80s. I can tell you how old I am. <laughs> but, but um, you know, a lot of this was in the early to mid 1980s. And, you know, we I like going to Halifax. I think you and I at one time had, had discussed Anaganish. It's funny because that was always our stopping off point before going to Cape Breton, uh, onto Cape Breton Island. Um, and I can't quite figure out why, other than it was probably a convenient place to stop. And, and Anaganish is such a nice town. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that, like, I think, you know, obviously for anyone with a connection to Anaganish or, you know, definitely saint of x grads and things like that it, it it means a lot but um i don't think i don't think anaganish gets maybe as enough uh credit that it that it deserves yeah i mean and you know and it does suffer a little bit from the fact that there are so many places like that in in nova scotia there's so many you know little village little fishing villages you know that have i mean what's what what's the population of anaganish maybe 3,000, 4,000 that, and that replicates in other places. And so, um, I agree with you though. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful town. And it's got that different look to it as well. I mean, I think it's, you know, as a university town, I mean, St. Vax has a big impact on it, but I know for, um, for my wife being from Ontario, she always feels like Anaganish has that feel of a lot of the smaller towns in, in Ontario. And, but similar, similarly kind of like some of the new England towns and everything, it's just, it's a little bit, little bit different than some of the other towns around Nova Scotia in terms of even just the feel. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think, again, I think that, yeah, that thread does go into New England, you know, and you start seeing towns like that in Maine or Massachusetts. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's obviously a common, you know, a common ancestry there in, uh, probably drives some of the, some of that. Most definitely. So, out of curiosity, I mean, I can't remember if we chatted about this last time we talked. But when was the last time you were up into Nova Scotia? Oh God, I'm, it was before the just before the pandemic, um, you know. And so then, you know, like everyone else, we stayed at home for two years, year and a half, um, and then we, you know, we went back out on the road uh, for work a lot. Um, you know, for, for us, I mean, it's probably maybe just me. It's, uh, the personal travel hasn't quite caught up to the business travel, at least pre and post pandemic, but we are, um, we're planning, I think August, you know, like every American teenager, our kids are over-programmed for the summer, but they've got most of August, you know, off before. And I think it's time. I will not do what my dad did and, and load everybody into a station wagon and, and drive from Virginia. I think we'll very happily, once the, uh, Washington Dulles to Halifax flights get re restarted, we'll, We'll take that option. You're not you're not looking to see if you can test the, the family chemistry on a on that a no. Well, because I know that you know again, teenagers, you sit them next to a plane, each other on a plane for more than twenty minutes, and you know it's like we're going to be on YouTube at some point. 
this see this is good for for me to know my my six-year-old still is very eager to be around us and spend all that time but um i don't know i don't know if i'll be wanting to do road trips with her once she once she gets into the teens. yeah i will say though i mean i'm probably too harsh on my kids but they're separately they're great to travel with but when you get them together you know the and, and it's always over a video game or something that's what i don't understand is <laughs> You know, some somebody did something in a video game that the other one's really upset about. The, the really important things. That's like, right. Yeah. I mean, if it right. I mean, if if, if if video games were the only thing you and I had to worry about, I mean, it would be great. What what a beautiful existence exactly. that would be. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mentioned in the in the, the start and you mentioned it as well. I mean, you, you're somebody you like you've really embraced the sort of diaspora identity. Um, you know, you identify as being, you know, you've got the Irish background. You you see that that connection to being part of the Nova Scotian diaspora. Um, so what what is it about that? Why is it so important for you to have those formal links with the place like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, you know, there's a guy named Kingsley Akins who is an Irish guy. You may know. I, yeah, you're nodding your yeah. head. Yeah, I, I definitely know. Yeah, Kingsley, I mean, yeah. so, I, you know, I got to know him years and years ago, uh, back when he was still with the Ireland funds. And, you know, he, he now talks a lot about stitching together diaspora communities. And, you know, there's the obvious diaspora communities in the United States, Irish being one of them. Although it's interesting that, you know, the, the Irish diaspora in, in the United States as a community ebbs and flows. You know, in March, it's very, very big. Uh, you know, in August and September, it's, you know, started the hardcore people. But, you know, I think what, you know, I started with Ireland and Northern Ireland for obvious you know, family reasons, you know. It's, you know, and so for me, it, it's sort of a, you know, it's an easier connection to make. You know, we're, as lawyers, we're... I mean, I hate to say, you know, sometimes it feels like cold calling. Sometimes it's, you know, but if you've got a common point of reference with somebody, it makes a much easier, conver- you know, place to start a conversation. And that and, you know, like when we first spoke about uh, the, the Scotians program, part of it is just want to help. Right. I mean, it's and I see a lot of parallels, frankly, between like what Nova Scotia is, where they, you know, where you are in innovation. And and, uh, and and growing innovative, frankly, we'll, you know, I hate I hate using the word disruptive because I think that's been overused. But you know, you're you're at a, a similar point that I think Ireland was, you know, a couple of years ago, which is you've got great ideas, you've got ambitious and very very smart people. You just may need a little nudge to really get a you know get over the top, get over the hump. Um, and so that's where for me it's about just you know, maybe respecting the various parts of, of my background come from, uh, but also just trying to help, you know, help, help them grow. Well, and, and like you say, you know, your, your dad was kind of that, uh, that historian oh, right? God, yeah. Embed, uh, embedded that in as well. I, I totally understand that idea of kind of like sort of respecting the building blocks that made you who you, who you are. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting. You know, you said that about, you know, being able to make those connections and that's the one, one of the reasons I started this show and why I'm so, I, I, I love talking about diasporas in general is it really, I don't think people understand how important diaspora communities are until you get off a plane somewhere, um, particularly if you're traveling for business, but personal as well. But to be, able, to be able to get off a plane and already know that, you know, each day you might have a coffee meeting with somebody who they took the meeting simply because you've got that shared heritage. Connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, 
you've eliminated a whole trust building component of the relationship. There's right. a trust. Yeah. I mean, you're um, further and, on down the road of that relationship, right? I mean, it's, and it, that's, that's, a, that's a really impactful thing. Those diaspora yeah. communities, it's not, it's not that they're just out there on a whim. And I've been following Kingsley for a while yeah. um, just because of that. Cause it, it's not just something that's, uh, you know, nice to say it's like, Oh, it's a global community. Like yeah. it has impact. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, it's, it's, it's probably not true of every, diaspora community that that's out there but you know there, there is strength in numbers if you will i mean you know deliberately you know again like what you're doing here you know deliberately knitting together a fabric of you know made up of people who have a touch point in their lives uh with nova scotia and i mean we're every <laughs> we're everywhere right i mean you know it, it's it's uh and it's different, you know, different perspectives, different experiences. And, you know, at a point, you know, you, there may be someone in a, you know, say a company and says, well, I've got this, you know, I've got this one issue. Somebody in the, in the network, you know, somebody in the, in the diaspora has probably dealt with that in the past. Right. And you can, that's part of the value. Um, also, but I, I do agree with you. It's great. You know, you kind of go to a place and you know people, right? I mean, it's just, it's very comforting to, you know, I, I tell the story of, uh, I was in, a couple of years ago, I was in Argentina for work. I was at a reception, business reception, and the guy I was talking to, his last name was Stone, which, you know, that's obviously not Spanish or Italian or, you know, what you would have expected. And I, and so we got to talking, he said, he said, well, um, my family came over when Britain was building the railroads in Argentina. So, okay, that's, you know, and I, he said, but we're not from England, we're from Ireland. I said, well, I said, where in Ireland? He goes, yeah, small little town, you never, it's a temporary, you'll never, you've never heard of it. And I said, okay, try me. And he goes, well, we were from Kayer and Tipperary. And I said, so am I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, you go, you just go places and, and you never expect that. And I think that's a real, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It, it really is. I, I described it, I know to, um, to a previous guest in a, in a previous episode. So people might, might remember me saying this, but you know, for me when I was living away, but it also, I also replicated it when I was traveling, there was something about those moments, just like what you're talking about there, where it's like you all of a sudden become, it's almost like you're in this little bubble where you're, you're in the place that you're talking about like you and it's this it's this comfort and familiarity that really can create a strong relationship but it also is really great for you because if you're if you're out in the world and traveling it's just like sense of comfort uh and it feels like home i had you know i had friends in argentina anyway which but but you know at that moment it's this is going to sound incredibly corny but you know at the end of return of the jedi when you see the the, the ghosts you know i kind of wonder if Mr. Stone's relatives and my relatives who may or may not have known each other. I mean, it is a small village. We're sitting there and like, we lost connection hundreds of years ago, but now we've made it back. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, at some point, someone, someone, someone's going to have to figure out how to track that at some point. Yeah. There, there's a project for somebody. Not me. Um, I'm not, yeah, you don't, you know, <laughs> anything scientific like that. You just want to keep me as far away from it as possible. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a talker, so hopefully somebody listening is is uh, better on on the actual data side of things. One of the things, and we we talked a little bit about it here, but one of the things I I was curious to to learn from you because you've got this history of working as part of the diaspora, like you know, 
what are some of the impacts that you've seen or what are some of the impacts that that a diaspora can have when they're properly managed they you know when they're properly engaged because it's it's not just sort of a piecemeal like you know the irish have multiple organizations and several people that have been invested tons of time and money and built strategies at the federal level to to make that happen I, and, and i would almost say that you know the the Irish diaspora is almost at the point where they got too many groups out there. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's, you know, at least in the Irish diaspora for any, you know, any sort of interest or need, you know, there's, there's a group out there for, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, I, I work in Washington normally and, you know, there's different lobbying groups that, you know, are focused on Irish specific issues. There's, you know, a group in Congress that calls itself the Irish or Ireland caucus. So, you know, it's there. So, you know, I think, you know, if they're run well, and that's, I, you know, that's the key, because it's really, you know, you, you've, you can probably break up a, a diaspora into multiple groups, but, you know, you've got the casual diaspora, which is, okay, yeah, okay, we're both Irish, or, okay, we, we both have this, this, this connection with Nova Scotia. And that's it, right? That, that's the end of the conversation. But, the individual has to has to nurture that. You know, if you want to leverage it, you've got to really invest in it. And I think it, again, done well. If you're purposeful and deliberate in how you approach it, you, you know, you're. I hate to you know hate to put it in dollars and cents, but you're building your rolodex. But you're also getting sort of that, in some ways, an intangible benefit back, which is you're getting to know people. You have this common touch point. You're trying to be helpful and, you know, and that that's, you know, and I think what the Irish diaspora has done pretty well uh, so far, uh, you know, and not to say it can't be improved is, you know, when there's a company that's, you know, an Irish company looking to come into the United States, well, you can point to somebody to help. Right. And it's, and it's, the, the flip side to that is there are a lot of people out there who, you know, will say, I'm Irish, you're Irish. Why don't you hire me? And, it, you know, it, it doesn't go well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's you know, I, I can't tell you how many exclusive agency agreements I've seen over the years, you know, where it's, you know, somebody's like, we signed this, you know, we signed with this guy and they were going to open the U.S. market and they did nothing but take our money. And I'm like, you know, it, yeah, due diligence is a good thing. Still got to do due diligence. Well, right. Yeah, right. it's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, I, you know, I, I, I very rarely uh, paraphrase or quote Ronald Reagan, but, you know, it's a trust but verify, right? I mean, you know, you've got, I, you know, I think that that diaspora network's enough to get you in the door. Um, whether anything develops out of that's up to you. Yeah, it's... Um... No, I mean it's it's a it's a topic that I could probably spiral down for for far too far too long because it it is a fascinating thing and I think for Canada in general has is is probably very early in the journey of 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 diaspora identification in general but and really you know at the beginning of the stage in terms of diaspora engagement so I always find it really curious because you know some of the provinces like Nova Scotia, where there's actually, you know, government focus on it, it that's pretty far ahead for a lot of parts in, in Canada. So it's, it's a fascinating topic just because of the potential that lies within something. Like that, that. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, the, the U S mirrors Canada, I, I, I would say we're even farther behind, you know, the, you know, I, I think if you, if you ask a random person on the street, 
in Washington, you know, is there an American diaspora? They'd look at you funny. You know, it's like, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. People are coming here. You know, we're not. And I'm like, well, you know, there's people going out too. Um, you know, and, and that's only going to increase. I mean, we see, you know, any number of uh, magazines or, you know, talking heads will, will tell, you know, mobility is on the increase. And, you know, I think, you know, for, for places, you know, I'm, I'm very careful, even though I work in a lot of different jurisdictions, not to say anything about, you know, the government, the government in that place. But, um, you know, I, I think that a, a province by province approach probably would work best in Canada because yeah. it's, you know, you, it's, I mean, I don't know how many people from Ontario are going to say, well, you know what, there is a, there, there is a, you know, we call it the Canadian mafia. I mean, there is a, you know, there is a Canadian mafia in Washington and they almost always seem to be from Toronto. Um, you know, yeah, sheer numbers. I, well, that's right. You know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, spring comes every year and their hopes are way up here and then the Leafs go out of the playoffs and, you know, they, they, they <laughs> it's like, it's clockwork. Uh, yeah. It, it's well, I mean, I think from a Canadian perspective, um, the the smaller provinces like the the Nova Scotia's the Newfoundlands of the world, yeah, I think there's a a much higher sense of identity. I always say like for me when I left, I was and I've always ident I'm I'm Nova Scotian first and I'm Canadian second. Um, and I think there's very much that sense of identity that that carries. So I think for the smaller provinces, which actually I'd say. I'm, I've always felt that some of those smaller jurisdictions are the ones that benefit the most from 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 activating a diaspora because the connection is because I think, you know, for anyone I know from Ontario, they might be more of a diaspora to their community, like their region, as opposed to the broader sense, because I mean, someone from Thunder Bay, you might not feel much of an affiliation with someone from Windsor. Right, um, right. And, but and you've got so, much tighter communities, say, in the Maritimes, right? And and, yeah. and that's, you know, and that you know, that type of glue can really help jumpstart the, you know, the, these diaspora networks. And there's something about when you've got essentially a, an entire second population out there that will advocate on your behalf when, you know, smaller provinces don't always have the resources to dedicate to sort of that in-market international relations type thing. When if you've got a ready-made network that is willing to shout your pra the praises about you, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah, and, you know... It, you know, parallel, I would draw a little bit, and, and it's it, th this is admittedly a bit apples and oranges, is, you know, you look at if, if you're going to market legal U.S. legal services in Europe, you're going to sit there and go, okay, London, Frankfurt, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why I seized on Northern Ireland, I, other than obviously the, the, the familial thing. But, you know, for and, and I think this is true of Nova Scotia. If, if people aren't looking there, they're missing a lot. Right. And because not everything is in Vancouver or Toronto, you know, it, it's, you know, you've got, I mean, you've got the mix you've got almost the perfect mix in Nova Scotia in the sense that you've got, you know, great universities, you've got people that look outward, right. Um, so almost as a default, you know, they, they, yeah. they look outward and they're ambitious and, and that's, you know, that's, that's a great mix, right? Yeah. No, it, it, it really is. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely believe that, you know, a diaspora can play a big part in helping to shift eyes onto a place um, for sure. Um, but I mean, you know, the one thing 
I kind of going back to sort of a lot of the stuff we used to talk about in the past when in my previous life, but you know, your, your professional life is all around. You're really help, helping companies looking at accessing the U S market. And that's, that's a huge part of growth for a region like Nova Scotia. Like we're an export province. We're an export region, Atlantic Canada as a whole. I mean, you know, that's that if you're going to look at scaling to any level, the market isn't local, the market is internationally. And, and, and yeah, and we're right there, you know, and, and I, and I realized I just used, I used the M word when I should have said <laughs> Atlantic Canada. It's, I'll blame that it, on my it's, age. It's all maritimes, <laughs> Atlantic Canada. We're all interchangeable. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, but you're right. I mean, it's, 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 you know, these companies are going to grow to a point where either Nova Scotia's you know, they need to grow beyond it. Um, the U.S., you know, for companies is incredibly intoxicating and incredibly scary at the same time, right? Because we've got, you know, well, frankly, anyone who, who watches CNN or, or picks up the Globe and Mail or something, you know, looks at what's going on in the U.S., you're going to think, you know, it's an insane asylum, but um, not quite, not yet, no. But, you know, it's, there's strategies to, to access this market. You know, there's things that we've seen companies try to do that really work and other things that really don't. Um, and, you know, helping sort of in that scaling phase when they're, you know, when someone's looking at the U S market and then you talk, okay, where, you know, where do you want to be? What do you, you know, what's your end game here? You know, you know, and, and it seems really odd to talk to, an emerging company to say, well, what's your end game? You know, and, and obviously that's going to change. You know, I, what I say is we're not going to hold you to it. You know, what's your vision 10 years down the road and how does the U S market fit into that? And I think, you know, you, you, you started to see it with you know, some of the companies in Volta, you know, you know, jumping down into the U S market because the products or the services are needed here. You know, they're, they're feeling, they're really, I think what they've done is a great job in sort of identifying where the gaps in the market are in the U.S. Uh, and and filling them, and so I think that's yeah, that's and, and from your perspective, you know, when you're working with companies, say out of out of you know the region here or out of North Northern Ireland or something like that, what you know are are there sort of common things, especially because you know a lot of actually you know Northern Ireland and Nova Scotia share some things too. You've got a very you've got a very large um, small business, uh, community that are, you know, looking to, to, to sort of activate on exporting and stuff like that. Are there some, some common, uh, mistakes that, you know, for you, when you come in as that diaspora person, that's willing to kind of help them out and have that soft spot to give them it. Are there any things that you're like, okay, you need to watch out for this because we've seen it. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that really, you know, really pop into mind and, you know, for, for me personally, that it's that SMEs. I mean, we're that; those are the. I've always felt those were the exciting companies because they're going someplace. You know, um, not to imply that big companies aren't, but we can. Yeah, that might be a whole other podcast. We'll we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, because you know, one of the things we you know, there's, you know, when someone says, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna go to the U.S.," you know, if they haven't thought through where, right? Because the U.S. is a single market, but in reality, it's probably six or seven or eight different markets, right? It's, it's I mean, New England is different than the, the desert Southwest. And if you, you know, if you're a company that's thinking you're going to conquer the U.S. in one fell swoop, that's great. I mean, it's ambition's great, but the reality is you're going to, you know, it's going to be a step-by-step thing. 
not spending time here. That, you know, there's, you know, when companies, again, I'll use, you know, you can use the Ireland example. You really need to have somebody inside the company on the ground for a year or two or more because it's not going to happen passively. But those are, to me, those are sort of the big flags that that pop up. Again, that on the ground thing is something I've heard a lot too. And that exact, again, sort of threading it through, that's where like, having someone on the ground that has that connection to Nova Scotia that's willing to to help out is is a key it can really help cuz you know even if you do really segment it down to say a small part of the US it's still a huge thing compared to say if you were tackling the local market here exactly yeah i mean you know new england might be an easy you know easy first step for a lot of companies in nova scotia and stuff, or you know the mid atlantic if you you know kind of kind of lump new york into that cuz there's a lot of similarities uh, among those regions, but but you're right. I mean, you're more likely to find a, a, a blue noser in those places than you are in. Well, I, I don't want to say California because everybody goes to California, but you know, west you know West Texas, and I don't you know, probably not a lot of blue nosers over there. But yeah, it's it is you know, and again, I think it's that how you know how can you help you know making introductions, talking them through things not necessarily looking at it as a dollars and cents yeah. exercise. That's yeah. And I, my firm would hate me, hate me saying that, but uh, you know, <laughs> but I think it's, but, but I think it's true. You know, it's, it's, you want to reward yeah. the ambition. That's, yeah, no, I totally get that. So, all right. So now with thinking about, you know, for you, uh, when the time comes, you get to, to, to bring the family back up, get the, the flights back from, from Washington to Halifax, um, you, you know, think about yourself coming up here, you know, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the things, the, the places, the, the, the food, the experiences that are kind of what you'd like to get back to see, or, or you kind of, or maybe you're looking for recommendations for people who are listening. <laughs> Well, b- well, both, right? I mean, it's 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 been a little while, and and you know, it, it, it's different traveling for work than than it is for pleasure. Because for work, you know, you know, somebody said it's you know, it's an airport, it's a cab, it's a hotel, it's another cab, it's an yeah. office building. Obviously, you know, the Cabot Trail will be part of that. Halifax will be part of that. You know, uh, recommendations outside of Halifax would be great. Um, my, although my, you know, my kids have informed, so I've, my kids are 16 and 13 and they, they informed my wife and I that they no longer like be, what they call beach vacations. They want city vacations. Oh, interesting. And so there, you know, there we go. You know, it's, it's, uh, I can, they're sick of me every Christmas. So this started one Christmas, we were in Boston for something. And I said, you know where that tree's from every year? I'm like, you know where that tree is? <laughs> and they're like, it's from. Said, but do you know why it's from Halifax? It's, the the story is important. The story is the is I don't want to say the story is the best part of it because obviously it's an immense tragedy what what happened right but but sort of that you know a time where the the border just didn't well, happen. And, and you know how much of that that story about the 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 tree in in Boston and you know what there's often a Christmas tree from Nova Scotia in Washington as well. Uh, yes, um, that's right. Yeah, it's but you know particularly in Boston you think about 
some of the trickle downs of that relationship. And, and, you know, yeah. there, there's probably a lot of people from Nova Scotia living in Boston, not just because of the, uh, the yeah. economics of it, but because of that long, I mean, I've heard that story. That's been important. I mean, Boston has always been in my mind since I was a kid because of that right. tree. And so it's it's, yeah. a, it's a very deep cultural connection between two two regions uh, that I mean wouldn't have probably existed. Well, I would see. It. Yeah, I would. I mean, New England probably has a lot more in common with Atlantic Canada than it does with. Uh, I'm not picking on the desert southwest because I don't like it, but it's you know it's a ready example, right? I mean, and I think that's probably due to sort you know the, the call it common heritage, right? I mean, there for a long time that border, I mean, the border's always been there, but effectively it wasn't, right? I mean, it's just you go and people migrate across, across and luckily they, they, they go both ways. And I think that's, I mean, that's important. And, and I mean, if you asked, I mean, we're what, 107, 108 years on from, from the explosion. I mean, and, and still kids know what happened right it, it's it's part of that part of their well, i mean it's it's really funny because it, you know so i went down to the tree lighting last december um and went down for some meetings and got to go to the tree lighting itself and i mean the the place was awash with nova scotia flags and 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 tartan and everything like that but one of the first presents i ever gave my daughter at christmas time was uh there was a local author here in nova scotia who wrote a, a children's book about the tree and that was one of my first presents i ever gave her as uh and so every year you know we read we read that that book um and so for her it's true like so you know you look at her she's she's the generation coming up behind and for her she knows all about the tree and uh she's interested in Boston because of it and, and understands it. it that, it's the, and that, and that yeah. connection. Yeah. I mean, it's that, it's that connection yeah. that endures. And, uh, yeah. Connection, connections are everything. And it's those ones that, that have that, that yeah. emotion behind it that mean everything, which is again, why the diaspora connections, because there's emotion. It's not just a place. There's a, it's yeah. an emotion. But that's a, yeah. You know, that's a great point. I hadn't quite thought of it in that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, but it's gotta be, but the emotion has to be a bit more than a scalp. Yes. And, yes. You know what I mean? Because I, because you know, and and you know, like when I said the the Irish diaspora increases exponentially in the middle of March, you know, uh, and then then steadily decreases. You know, I think that's you know, you got the nostalgia base, which is hit or miss, right? Uh, but you've got the you know the emotional yeah. investment, not just the intellectual investment, but the the emotional investment in it that that's that's that yeah I mean, as, as somebody that I, I i used to joke my 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 life was and it still is to a certain extent is is hunting nova scotians around the world i i i i <laughs> i, I go yeah. out seeking those connections and finding and it, it, you know you really see that it's it's that it's not just one diaspora it's 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 multiple and you have the people that the the connection means nothing and that's it's you know i and i think that's the important thing to say because i mean that with this show we've talked a lot to people that it, it means so much there's going to be people i mean everyone's an individual there are going to be people that don't feel that emotional connection back i think nova scotia and and you know places like ireland and stuff maybe are a little bit higher on the percentage of people that do then you know then there's our hardcores and then there's the middle and it's you know, it's tapping into the emotion, but with intent uh, and with, with, with. Yep. And you've got to be, yeah, persistent and deliberate. I mean, it's, it's the first phone call may not yep. be the best one, right? I mean, it's, it's, you just got to keep chipping yeah. away. No, I, I completely agree. So, 
Well, I mean, so you, you, you've, I think the one thing I'll say is for everyone listening, make sure you, you get your list of recommendations for, for Mike and his family ready. I'm obviously, I live outside of Lunenburg. I'm putting Lunenburg high on the list. I'm, I know. Well, you, you keep posting those pictures on, on LinkedIn. You know, it's like I said earlier, they, they should just go ahead and make you the official Nova Scotia guy instead of the unofficial one. But every time you post those pictures, I'm like, ah, he lives in a beautiful place. I, I, yeah. Why am I here? <laughs> I, I, well, you just perfectly defined what I'm intended, what I'm trying to do with those posts. Um, but no, so I, I'm, I'm first to market. So here I'll, I'll say Lunenburg has got to be behind the, but the, the, the sort of the whole South shore region, but I mean, you can never go wrong going, you know, up to Cape Breton. Um, that's been probably one of the biggest joys for me since I moved home from being away. Gr- growing up, we didn't go to Cape Breton. We sort of stayed in our area. It, it was it was right there. We were farmers. Like, when, who was going to leave the farm to go on a vacation? Who's going to look after the cows? Um, so, but, you know, we stayed in our own backyard. And, like, why would we go to Peggy's Cove? Everyone from away. And um, so, you know, coming home, I got to kind of rediscover. And Cape Breton, you know, an annual trip to Cape Breton has been has been sort of like the biggest addition to my life the to really uh see what that island is all about has been spectacular so yeah i mean you can't go wrong there obviously halifax you know you were here before the pandemic you won't you won't even recognize yeah well i know yeah i you know and i you know my my oldest one is starting to look at colleges and he gets mailings from dalhousie and (laughs) I hope I'm pronouncing that right. You did. But, you know, and it, and it sort of, you know, you do have that moment of, yeah, maybe we could send him to school in Canada. You know, it's, you know, but again, it's, it's, uh, we might sneak in a campus visit uh, at, at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I, I would imagine we're going to be spoiled for choice and try to, try to cram in as much as we can and, you know, a it's, week or it's, so. It's never easy. I, I'd say um, definitely check out what you can g- get to get to see some live music. Uh, ideally, at yes. a pub somewhere. Yeah. Um, those are those are the best ones where where they happen. And also, you know, especially in Halifax, check out the the food scene on the restaurants. That's been been yep. just just had. That's yeah. That that has gotten exponentially and, better. You know, as we're recording yeah. this, just earlier this week was when um, sort of Canada's top 100 restaurants came out, um, and a couple in the top 100 were in Halifax. But interestingly, in the the top 10 new restaurants in all of Canada, uh, three were in Halifax. So, oh wow, that's see punching so above your weight. That's more than yeah, any yeah. other city in the country in terms of new restaurants. Three of them were here, so you know it's it's one of those places that uh, it just keeps evolving and getting better every every year. Normally, I ask people the ideal twenty four hours, but I'm going to do it different this time. What I'm what I'm going to ask is for you know everyone now that has heard your connection and family connection to Nova Scotia, and it's been a little while since you've been back. Everyone listening is going to build your ideal 24 hours for Mike. And I'm going to, I'm going to link to yeah. your LinkedIn in the show notes. So everyone c- connect with Mike and, and and see if you can inundate this poor guy's inbox with, with recommendations <laughs> for how to s- spend the days in Nova Scotia. Cause I think, um, you know, like I say, you've got a unique connection to this place. And I think uh, the best thing that Nova Scotians can do is to just shamelessly feed that connection for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
That, that sounds wonderful. I would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, so there you go, everybody. There's your marching orders. But, uh, you know, more than anything, Mike, I just I want to say thanks so much. I mean, you've given a lot of help to to companies. You've been somebody that I've always enjoyed talking to. And I, I loved hearing the connection. And, and I really appreciate that you're an advocate for this place in your life. My pleasure. I mean, and again, I, I think thank you for, for building this. I'm more than happy to, to help do a little bit uh, around this. So um, it's been great hearing, hearing your story, Mike. Thanks so much for doing this. So I really hope you take that assignment to heart. I was serious when I said, you know, everybody should pull together a bit of a list of recommendations for, for Mike. Uh, he really is a, a great guy. And he I mentioned it in in the episode a little bit, you know, throughout the conversation, but he really has done a lot to help um, a few companies that I've referred to him over the years. And he's got a genuine interest in doing that. So I think for all of us, let's make his his trip back to Nova Scotia, you know, the first one since the since COVID hit as amazing as we can. So check out the link to his LinkedIn profile down in the show notes and connect with him and send the send a note over. But I also wanted to just talk about just the whole just concept of how Mike came to become part of sort of this global blue nosers community, which I've been amazed since day one, the very first conversation I ever had with him, just, you know, this was a guy that sought me out. Uh, he wanted to give back to Nova Scotia and it was all because he sees Nova Scotia as being part of his story, never lived here or anything like that, but it's part of those building blocks that make Mike who Mike is. And so he feels a need and, and a draw to give back. I think that's fascinating. And I think it really shows the full potential of a, of a diaspora, of a community like Global Blue Nosers, of people with direct or even indirect ties back. The Irish, Mike is part of that, obviously. The Irish have done that really well, where someone can be multiple, multiple generations removed, but still see themselves as being Irish, but also see themselves as being part of a broader Irish community and, and to be active in that. And they do a lot around tapping into that community to help companies through economic development, philanthropy back home, and just building culture and awareness um, around the world, around Ireland. So... I think it's it's really fascinating to to hear the story of someone like Mike, um, and to hear you know him talk a lot about where some of it came from in terms of what he does for Ireland, Northern Ireland. It's for anyone that starts to kind of get down the path like I do on diasporas. It's people like Mike that represent the potential that you just didn't think about when you started down the path um the multiple generations down the road that that feel that same draw to give back so we're really lucky we're really lucky in nova scotia that we have that impact uh, and that people are proud to have our province as part of their ancestry um and so good on mike for seeking out those opportunities to give back he continues to give back to this day and and probably will continue for as long as he can so really fascinating uh i i love talking to mike for for many reasons but just hearing him talk about why he wants to give back is always one so yeah so i i rambled on a lot about that because this really does get to sort of whole side of me <laughs> that people that know me know that this this is a big thing for me but mike always seems to bring that out when we start chatting about it so 
Um, hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, clearly I did uh, in terms of recording it. And uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. Global Blue Nosers is a Some Good Media and Entertainment production. It's hosted, edited, and produced by me, Sean Meister. All the music used in the show is by Lunenburg-based band Black Matilda. You can find the show on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so give us a follow. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating. And also, why not leave a review uh, on whichever platform you listen to the show. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to welcome you back again next week.